Today's reading is from Mark 8, 22 to 26. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees, walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Risa, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning. My name is Emily. I'm one of the pastors here at Ebenezer, and we are wrapping up a sermon series today called Recalibrate. We've been studying biblical passages that lift up purpose and identity and focus for us as people of faith. (coughs) Excuse me. And so I want to share with you a little story about recalibration. It's confession time. When I was in my 20s, I got a speeding ticket, and I was a student ministries director at the time. And somehow, as things go, the students found out about my speeding ticket. And so one night in the prayer concerns for youth group, they brought it up because they wanted to pray about ways that I could get out of my speeding ticket. And though some of them had only been driving for a few months, they had innumerable suggestions for me. One popped up and said, you should have cried. My mom does it every time and gets out of every ticket. Another one said, you should get a lawyer because that's what my dad does every time and he gets out of every ticket. And the third one said, you should tell them you didn't really know how fast you were going because you need to get your speedometer recalibrated. That's what my brother does. And he gets out of all of his speeding tickets. I was finding out way too much about their families. And so I said, you know what? The truth is I messed up. And I need to pay the fine. And ask God to help me be more careful. That I would, even in my driving practices, do more to love God and love others the way that I live out my faith. That's what this series has been about. Not recalibration of a speedometer, but recalibration of our hearts The way we live, who God calls us to be, how God calls us to be with one another, the way we spend our time, the way we treat people, the words that we use, the way that we use them, the priority we give to God, the way we spend our money, the way we see ourselves, the way we see others. It's all of that daily life and work and driving even. An accurate reflection of who and what God calls us to be and how God calls us to live out love. If it's not, let us own it and ask God to recalibrate us and give us a new and deeper understanding of what it means to be a disciple. 
That's what today's story is about. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy. Help us to step into this story today, right into the pages of scripture. And walk around in the story. And invite you to speak to us, in us, with the words of it. Lord, we pray that you would help us to grow in our understanding of who you are and what it means to follow you and live as one of your disciples. We ask that today. And Lord, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our refuge, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our Lord. And it is in your name that we pray. As all of God's people say, Amen. Well, let's dive right into the story. If you've got your Bible with you, I invite you to pull it out. There are also some Bibles in that uh, book rack in front of you, or maybe you use a Bible app. I want to invite you to get that out. Turn to the Gospel of Mark. Turn to the 8th chapter. And while you're doing that, I want to give you a little background on this Gospel of Mark. It's the earliest of the four, meaning it was written first out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The writers of Matthew and Luke use Mark as a resource in their writing. And the writer of Mark likely thought in the Aramaic language and does the best he can with Greek. Scholars will tell you the Greek there is a little rough. Mark was written early, as I mentioned, around 60 to 70 A.D. This was a difficult time for the early church. In 64 AD, there was a devastating fire in Rome, and the emperor Nero blamed it on this little sect of Judaism that were Christians. And because he blamed the fire on them, he used that as an excuse to persecute Christians. And the apostle Peter, you might remember, he was killed, executed during that time. The Gospel of Mark was written then in this fearful time of persecution. So there is then an urgency to it. It moves at this breakneck pace. And you'll often find the author using the word immediately again and again. Today's story begins what is usually thought of as the fourth section of this Gospel. After the calling and the naming and the sending of the disciples, we enter this section when the disciples are learning more about what it means to be a disciple. They're learning more about who Jesus is. This is chapters 8, 9, and 10. As they're growing in understanding, the pace of the story slows down a bit. This section begins with a story of Jesus healing a blind man. And this section ends at the close of chapter 10 with a story of Jesus healing a blind man. These two miracles of sight bookend this whole section about helping the disciples to see and understand Jesus more clearly. Important to note. Seeing, the word seeing in Greek has two meanings. It means both physical sight and understanding. Sight and perception. Keep that in mind. So, beginning with verse 22. People bring a man who is blind to Jesus. 
and beg Jesus to touch him. And what does Jesus do? He takes the man by the hand, which at that time in that culture was a common way to lead someone who was blind. And Jesus leads him away from everybody else, out of the village, till it's just the two of them, with a hand connection between. We don't know what their full conversation was. Jesus then puts his spit on the man's eyes. Today, we might think of spitting in someone's face as an insult, but back then, saliva was thought to have healing properties. Jesus puts his hands on the man's eyes as well. He asks him what he can see. The man says, I see people, they look like trees walking. It's a little fuzzy, right? We're not fully there yet with clear sight. The full healing is not immediate. Think of the double meaning in Greek for the word seeing. At this point, the man has partial sight. We might say partial understanding. Remember that because we'll come back to it. Things are still not fully clear. Jesus lays his hands on the man's eyes again. He looks intently. The man's sight is restored. And now he sees clearly. It's incredible, right? This miraculous story of transformation from blindness to sight in stages. And then Jesus tells the man to not go back to the village, but to go home a new way. Have a new path forward. It's a short story, jam-packed with meaning. Now let me draw your attention to the placement of this story in the Gospel of Mark. That's called the canonical context. Look at what precedes the text and what immediately follows it. The prior story is about the disciples trying to wrap their heads around how in the world Jesus had just fed a crowd of thousands of people with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. Jesus says they have ears, but they're struggling to hear. They have eyes, but they're struggling to see. And Jesus asks, do you not yet understand? We might say they are half-sighted. They have partial understanding of who Jesus is. The story that follows our text today is about Jesus asking the disciples who they say he is. Peter says Jesus is the Messiah, but then argues with Jesus about what that means. Jesus explains Messiah and discipleship as self-sacrifice. Peter doesn't like that. Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus rebukes Peter. We might say at this point, Peter is half-sighted. Peter has partial understanding of who Jesus is and who Jesus is calling him to be. It's not yet fully clear. Today's story Shows a person literally with partial sight, symbolically partial understanding who needs another touch from Jesus. More time with Jesus 
to be able to see him more clearly. How's our sight this morning? How's our understanding, vision of Jesus this morning? Is it full? Is it fuzzy? Is it partial? People look like trees walking around. We're not quite sure what's happening. We're not seeing things clearly. When we read a story like this, it is a good practice to place ourselves inside it to see what we can learn. Who are you in this story? Are you the person bringing others to Jesus, leading them, wanting them to be closer to Jesus? If that's you, who would you bring this morning? Who's on your heart? Or are you the person being brought closer to Jesus so that Jesus can touch you and heal you in some way? Are there things you want to talk about with Jesus this morning? What would you say to him one-on-one like that as he leads you away from everybody else and it's just the two of you? What would come out of your heart this morning? And what do you think Jesus would say to you? Do you want to understand him more? If you were that person, notice how Jesus will narrow that down to just the two of you so that nobody else interferes with that. But fair warning, it could get messy, and that's okay. Even when things are not clear, Jesus is right there and hasn't gone anywhere And is perhaps beginning, not only in the man in this story, but in us, a deeper, more full understanding of who he is, and it might not yet be complete. Amen. Or, are you a bird at the edge of the village, watching all this unfold, wanting to be safely outside of the story, but curious enough to see what is it that Jesus can do? In another person's life. This little story that Risa read for us today in Mark makes some mighty interesting points. Transformation as a disciple is often a slow and bumpy process and it is not neat. We don't usually change overnight completely, immediately, to fully be all of a sudden the persons Christ is calling us to be. We often, like the disciples, are these moments of partial understanding. In fact, 1 Corinthians tells us we won't have full understanding until we come face to face with God in that next chapter in our lives when we die. It's often what we call the now and the not yet. We are now in the process of being shaped and changed. And we are not yet fully there. We will always have room to grow and more to understand about who Jesus is and who and what Jesus is calling us to be in this life. 
sometimes we get stuck in those fuzzy tree walking people places in life. There are many examples in scripture of people who are in these messy places in faith and don't know what happens next and don't see clearly what it will be. Think about the story of the people in the water in the Noah's Ark. Think about the story of the people wandering around for decades in the wilderness in the Old Testament. Think about Joseph being in prison a long time, not knowing what was going to happen next. Think about Paul being in prison, not knowing what was going to happen next. Think about Queen Esther approaching the king, hoping to save her people, not knowing, waiting to see what would happen next. What is it like in those in-between messy places in life, in wanting to grow in our faith and deepen our understanding of who Jesus is and who Jesus calls us to be. What is it like? Trusting. Things are messy and we're waiting and we're wanting to understand God or God's direction for us more fully. It's frustrating, right? Wanting clear answers when things are fuzzy and uncertain. But that's okay. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. He's right there with us. Think of the story in the Gospel of Mark. Things are fuzzy. Jesus is right there with that man and hasn't left him. And in that story, what happens next? What that man needs is another touch from Jesus. More time with Jesus to be able to see and understand more clearly. What causes those fuzzy times of seeing partially or standing in need of recalibration? Sometimes it's sin and we need to confess it and deal with it and lay it all out before God. Like my speeding ticket and the ways that I was living and need not have been. Sometimes we're looking in the wrong direction or we're looking in the past when Jesus is calling us forward to a new path and a new future. Or sometimes it's a filter or lens or trauma even that we have in our lives that makes God look fuzzy and we have trouble letting that go. Sometimes it's external stuff that gets in the way and we can't control it. And sometimes it's internal stuff that gets in the way. That blinds us to what God is doing. How do we let that go? This miracle story says that we spend more time with Jesus and stay there. Waiting for his next move to make things clearer. We are dependent on Christ for sight, understanding, and vision. We, like the man in the story, depend on Christ for what is to come and trust Jesus and the messiness of that middle when the people still look like trees walking. When things are fuzzy and don't always makes sense 
Jesus is not done with us. Hang on and stay in the presence of Jesus. Thomas Keating writes, Transformation is completely God's work. We can't do anything to make it happen. We can only prevent it from happening. End quote. The good news in this story is that when the man partially sees or understands, remember Jesus is right there. He hasn't gone anywhere and is committed to making it clear. Is this a story about a person? Is this a story about a church? Is this a story about a group of people? Who is it that's in the midst of something that's uncertain or unclear right now and needs the help of Jesus, more time with Jesus to help make things more clear? Recalibration, transformation, and healing are often a messy business. Right down to the spit in your eyes, right? Let me invite your soul to trust the mess that it may be in. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Jesus is right there beside you. His hands are very near. Faith and discipleship often grow in bumpy stages. And this story gives us a literal way to symbolically understand that. It's not only a miracle story about one man. It's also a miracle story about disciples in this section, in the Gospel of Mark, beginning to grow from their partial understanding of who Jesus is in ways that will make it clearer. Jesus is healing their blindness too. Perhaps he's also healing ours. Maybe it's time in our lives for Jesus to spit in our eyes again. It's not a bad idea. Maybe Jesus could spit in them for the first time. Or spit in them again and again. To begin a change in our hearts and in our understanding. To be willing to let Jesus get that messy with us. And bring about a needed change. Maybe Jesus is leading you away from that crowd today by the hand. And I'll ask you again. In that one-on-one with Jesus, what do you need to say to him? And what do you think he would say to you? I want to invite you to do just that. Knowing that when we understand Jesus more fully, we can't go back the old way that we came. New sight, new vision, new understanding... Jesus tells this man means that's a different way to go. May God help us all to see and understand Jesus more clearly and how he calls us to live out his love. 
We want to give you a number of different ways to respond to the message this morning. One of those we have in the digital bulletin. We also have printed copies of it. It's something I put together. It's a mini retreat for you to dive into this passage verse by verse with questions and reflections about the passages. I want to invite you either to get it out of the digital bulletin. If you do that version, it's bright and colorful. If you do the version we have printed here, you can pick it up at the welcome desk and it's in black and white. It's not as pretty, but it's the same questions. And it will walk you verse by verse. I want to invite you to journal with it. Pray with it. Do that on your own or do that as a couple or do that with a friend or do that in your small group. As you walk through that passage together and see how Christ may be deepening your understanding of who he is, that we might grow in that together. Another way we want to invite you to respond to that is something that Pastor Jeff and I came up this week. It's based on Isaiah 49:16, which tells us that we are inscribed on the palm of God's hand. Do you know that? So we thought, what if we inscribe Jesus on the palm of ours? So it's a way to recommit ourselves in this invitation to recalibration. A way to reaffirm our faith or maybe to have it for the first time. And affirm that faith and get into a relationship with Jesus for the first time in our lives. I want to invite you to mark that today. So here's what I want you to do. Take your hand out, both hands, and have one and open up the palm. And use your other hand and have a finger out. This one's nicer than some of the others to put up in the air. And then you could have your palm and lay it flat. And then I want you to make the shape of the cross. Slowly, again and again, take your finger and go from the middle finger down to the wrist and then from the thumb over to the pinky. Make the shape of the cross again and again. Feel the bumps that are in that pathway. Growing as a Christian is often a bumpy path and it gets messy sometimes. And Jesus is speaking to us has things he wants to say to us. As we recommit ourselves to him today, I invite you to let God's voice be the loudest and listen. Anywhere you are this week, maybe it's a helpful thing. Start making the shape of the cross in the palm of your hand again and again to be recalibrated and recentered on who it is that gives us life and the one in which we stand.